there and welcome to Unshaken. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer, and thanks for joining us for today's episode. The Unshaken podcast purpose is to glorify God through regularly scheduled, recorded podcast episodes aimed towards women that promote the truth of God's Word as all-sufficient and support their belief statements of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. The mission we have provides opportunities to inform all women on topics of importance to them, to encourage women in their day-to-day lives, and to challenge women to live for Christ. This unique avenue, a podcast, really allows us to get the truth of God's Word right into your home, into your car, into your headphones, wherever you listen. All of our podcasts are a mixture of personal interviews, recorded teaching events, and occasionally a current event discussion. So thanks for joining us today. Please take a minute to head over to your favorite podcast directory, such as Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, hey, we're even on Spotify, and subscribe to our podcast. It really helps us out. It also helps you out because you get notifications of new episodes that drop each and every Thursday. You can always go back, though, to our archives and listen to any of our episodes that you want to if you've missed or just, hey, want to re-listen to an episode. That's an amazing part about podcasts is you can start a podcast and stop in the middle and come back to it later and it'll still be ready for you to finish listening to it. I hope that you can jump back and check out some of our episodes in the past. Now, as I mentioned a minute ago, this podcast is under the umbrella of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. Now, one thing you can do is head over to your favorite social media, specifically Facebook or Instagram, and you can follow our social media account. Now, we used to, at Unshaken, have just a Facebook account, but we've actually come under the umbrella ministry of Christ the Word Church's Women of the Word Ministry. So the Women of the Word Ministry has a new social media page, and it's called Women of the Word CTW. You can find that in our show notes, and it has all of our ministries from Christ the Word that are aimed towards women all under this umbrella. So one of the things we have is our mom-to-mom ministry. If you've been listening for a while, we've shared some of our talks from this amazing ministry that happens monthly at our church. We also have a fabulous blog called Planted that comes out weekly with great articles that are encouraging and challenging and really focus our eyes on Christ in the middle of a busy week. We also highlight our Women of the Word ministry called Regarding Him. It's our conference that's held each March, and uh, we get over about 600 women that come, and it's just really a great opportunity to hear some good truths that day. So all of these ministries, including our podcast, Unshaken, come under the same umbrella, and you are going to want to join that page. So head over to either Instagram or Facebook and join the Women of the Word CTW Facebook and Instagram accounts. Hey, a couple new things that are going to happen this year on the podcast. I know I mentioned this last week, but I know some of you may not have heard this, so I wanted to mention it again. First, we are changing up how we organize our podcast episodes. So for example, we've always had seasons in 2020 and 2021, maybe 12 episodes and then we take a few weeks off. So now in 2022, we are literally just going to have numbers and then the title of the podcast. So for example, today's episode is number 84 and it's called Living Devoted, Passionate for Christ. We're going to talk more about that in a few minutes. This means you're going to be able to share with someone the number of the podcast so they can just go find it easier. 
Since it really doesn't matter the order with which you listen to episodes, you can tell someone, hey, go listen to episode 83 or episode 94 or head back and listen to episode 12 or 100, which is also kind of exciting because this upcoming year, we are going to hit 100 episodes sometime in March or April. So be looking for some super crazy, exciting things to happen as we get close to that date. Hey, you could even head back and listen to some of our early episodes if you're joining us now for the first time. We have a lot of really good episodes that we've put together each week for you to listen to. Hey, as always, if you have any questions about how things are working over here at Unshaken or you have suggestions for a future episode, you have questions about one that we've already uh, produced and put out there for you, um, if you do, you can reach out to me, Julie, at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. Actually, I got a little note the other day from one of our listeners. I wanted to share a couple of things uh, about it with you. She listened to an episode that was released this last November of 2021. And here's what she writes. She says, wow, the Golden Years episode was so good. I just want to hug Judy. What a sweet lady and heart for the Lord. Even though it was aimed at the older generation, it was so applicable to all women and I truly appreciate it. She writes, thank you for all your hard work this season making such good content to have out there. I'm definitely going back and listening to some of the past episodes in the other seasons until the new season comes out in January. Love, Angeli. Well, Angeli, thank you for your sweet note. I just want to let you know and all of our listeners who are listening, it's January and I'm happy to announce that you will never again have to wait for another episode to start or another season to start because we're actually going to be releasing an episode every single week. They'll drop every Thursday. Of course, Lord willing. All right, ladies, thanks for joining us today. Today we're going to listen to a pre-recorded talk called Living Devoted, Passionate for Christ. Now, can you think of someone in your life who you have watched or observed from a distance who is passionate for Christ? Someone who you think they are so spiritual. They're always doing and serving God. It's interesting because we might think of someone famous in the Christian world, like maybe Billy Graham or Corey Ten Boom, and I, I think they were pretty fully devoted and passionate for Christ kind of people. And But can you and I, an average woman, maybe listening to a podcast, driving in her car, or someone who's standing doing dishes or exercising, can you and I be living, devoted, passionate for Christ kind of people? Well, today we're going to listen to this talk given by Bronwyn Rusko. She had some really excellent direction for you and I on how to live this way in our everyday lives. I think you are going to be so encouraged, but I also think you're going to be a little challenged. And hey, here's a little secret about this podcast. These talks were given at events at Christ the Word Church, oh, about four or five years ago. I heard this talk in person and it was very good. I took a whole bunch of notes that day. But as I prepared for today's episode, I listened again, as I always do, to the entire talk. And you know what? I was impacted again. It's interesting how God can speak to us through sisters in Christ, like my friend Bronwyn, and how with God, time is unrestrained. He can use a talk or a sermon given years ago to impact us today. So... Buckle your seatbelts, ladies, and get ready to learn how you and I can live devoted and be passionate for Christ. 
morning. Welcome. I am so grateful we can all be here today, especially with all the sicknesses going around. I love conferences. I really, really do. And as I begin speaking, you may catch a hint of my accent. I was born and raised in South Africa. Um, I lived an hour from a city, which is where I went to boarding school, 10-minute drive from my closest neighbor. And then at the age of 15, moved to Canada with my family, and I have spent my years between Canada and the United States ever since. But this is why I love conferences. There are people represented from about 100 different churches here today. God in his creativity has made us all so different and has given us so many different backgrounds, so many different walks of life. Um, we all have different lives, trials, seasons, ages, hair color. But those in Christ, we have far more uniting us than dividing us. We are sisters with the same father. We have the same spirit living in us. We are saved by the same savior. We have the same word of God. We are united in the same faith. So with all of our similarities, with all of our differences, we are all called to the same purpose, and that is to live our lives devoted, passionate for Christ. And we can see this in Matthew 22, where Jesus says we are to love the Lord our God with all our hearts and with all our souls and with all our minds. But what does this mean, and what does it look like? Does it mean happy-go-lucky? Does it mean we have to be extroverted, constantly joyful, no sorrow? But then what about some of the great men and women in history who have done some big things for God, yet have suffered with great depression? And does it mean we have to do great things for God, big things every day? But then what about the stay-at-home mom like myself, who spends her days cooking, cleaning, changing diapers, or even the college student who barely has time to eat, let alone volunteer at homeless shelters every weekend? Hopefully, by the end of this talk, we'll have a better understanding of what it means and what it, looks like, what it looks like. So the topic of this talk is living devoted, passionate for Christ. And together we're gonna to break it into living devoted, serving God where we are, and growing in our passion for Christ. So living, growing, sorry, living, serving, and growing. It can all be very confusing with what it should like, look like because we are all made so different and we are all in so many different seasons of our lives. But that is why we have to remember that no matter if you are a new Christian or been a Christian for 50 years, we all have the same foundation. I grew up playing tennis. I started at probably the age of three or four since we had a gravel tennis court on our farm and a couple of siblings and my parents who were more than eager to play with me. And over time, into college, um, it developed into three hours of practice every day, followed by an hour of weights and matches every weekend. But a strange thing happened to me my junior year of high school after all these years of playing tennis. All of a sudden, I went to practice, and my body forgot how to hit a backhand. And if you know anything about tennis, you'll know that a backhand is the second most common shot after a forehand. Okay, so the risk of losing any credibility, I have bought my daughter's tennis racket to demonstrate, in case you don't know what a backhand is, what a forehand and a backhand is, because I think it is adorable and I will not hit anyone over the head with it. So, this is a forehand and this is a backhand. Simple, right? 
Uh, I thought it would come back with regular practice, but it wasn't until years later, when I was a junior in college, that I finally realized what I had been doing wrong. And it wasn't until I was coaching tennis at a kids' camp that I realized this. I realized that I had forgotten the foundational elements of the shot. And when I finally realized this, I took my racket every night after the kids had gone to bed, and a couple tennis balls, and I would hit against the wall for hours, practicing and practicing. It took all summer, but eventually it came back, and it felt natural, and I could build it into a strength. You see, we all have to know what the foundation of our faith is, no matter how long you have been a Christian, because if we don't, we risk losing the joy of our salvation. So what is this foundation? I'm so glad that Andrea and Leanne mentioned it. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, we become Christians. We are so grateful for what Jesus has done in our hearts and what he has done for us. We love reading God's word. We love telling people about him. But then life happens. Seasons change, trials come, we get married, people in our lives die, babies are born. We're still in the Word every day, possibly praying every day, but we've lost that first joy. And if inwardly you're thinking, oh, not again, I've heard this before, or can't we just move past these basic elementary truths to something more important, then I would say this is a truth you need to hear even more. And if you are not a believer in Christ, I have been praying for you, and I do pray God's Word will stir in you repentance and a faith in Him. But you see, the gospel is not just for unbelievers who need salvation. It's not simply believe in Jesus and move on to more important things. John 15 says that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. So what is this gospel? I want you to imagine something with me for a second. Imagine that you have committed this heinous crime, have been caught by the police, and are now standing in the courtroom before the judge. You see, this is a good judge. He's not corrupt, cannot be bought off. So he needs to give you the sentence that you deserve. And what is your sentence? It's the death penalty. He gives you your sentence. But then all of a sudden, someone in the courtroom stands up and says, wait, I love her. I will give my life for hers. You see, if that had been another criminal in the courtroom, the judge would say, well, that's not good enough. You've got your own crimes to pay for. You can't pay for hers as well. So that person standing up has to be perfect, having never committed a crime. And if the judge says, well, okay, you can substitute his life for yours, all you have to do is confess what you've done and receive that exchange, receive that gift, and you get to walk free. You see, this is the gospel. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So because of our sin, we deserve hell. We deserve God's punishment. We deserve his wrath. But he knew this, and he loved us, and he wanted to make a way for us. So that is why he sent Jesus Christ to come and live a sinless life on this earth and to die in our place, so that us believing in him and confessing our sins, we have eternal life, and we have forgiveness. But we usually stop here, don't we? 
we usually think that the end goal of the gospel is forgiveness and eternal life. These things are amazing, but they're not the end goal. And this is where we should get really excited. Pay attention as I read 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Did you catch that? So the end goal of the gospel is to bring us to God. We are made right with God. We are forgiven by God to bring us to God. God is the pearl of great price. He is our treasure. And because we are forgiven, we know him. We love him more than anything else in this world. So no matter if you are a new Christian or have been a Christian for 50 years, we are each day to remind ourselves of this gospel and be filled with a deep gratitude for what Christ has done. Because of the gospel, I am able to walk with God and sin no longer separates us. And sin no longer has power over me. So Christ wiped the slates clean and made it so that I had never sinned. Remembering this each day should lead our hearts to worship him. All right, so now that we have the foundation of our devotion and, and passion established, what does this look like day to day for us? So for this next part, I want you to remember one phrase, up and out. God in his word tells us that we are to love him with everything we have. That's the up part. And we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's the out part. Yes, we love God because he commands it. But if that's the only reason that I love him, he's neither glorified nor honored. If my husband told me that he loved me because he had to, I wouldn't feel loved. And I'm sure you wouldn't either if your husband's told you that. No. We love him because he is worthy. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessings. And in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. John Piper says, Therefore, since God has no greatness, no beauty, and no worth that Christ does not share, all the language of the Bible about how our hearts should respond to the greatness and beauty and worth of God applies to Christ. If our heart is right towards God, Christ is our exceeding joy. Christ is our gladness, our delight, our contentment, our desire, our sweetness, our exaltation, our pleasure, and our satisfaction. Christ himself, not his gifts, but himself. That's the Trinity. If we are saying we love God, we are saying the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, do you want heaven because you don't want hell? Or do you want heaven because we're going to be in the presence of our awesome God? So that's the looking up part. Now let's look out. I'm sure you've all heard of the Dead Sea. It's a body of water in the Middle East that nothing can grow in except bacteria and algae because water can flow into it from rain and other surface water, but it can't flow out. 
and so it has become too salty for anything to survive. And I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. God's love is flowing into us, and our only response can be to love God and to love others. And if we are not loving others, we are like that Dead Sea, as in we're dead. We're not born again. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Think about it. If you're not loving people, God says, examine yourself. You may not belong to him because the fruit of his children is to love. So what stands in our way of living our lives devoted and passionate for Christ? Because we now have God's spirit living in us. He's daily helping us to die to our sin and to love a better treasure, that is Jesus. But each day we're faced with the same temptations to sin. So we're about to look at Jeremiah 2, but before we do, I'd like to give you some context. It is on your handouts if you wanted to follow along. This was written many generations after the Israelites had been brought out of Egypt. Um, Jeremiah is now the prophet, and God is speaking to the Israelites to tell them to return to himself because they have turned away. Jeremiah is also going to be speaking about cisterns, and since cisterns are not part of our everyday language, unless maybe you are a plumber or a farmer, um, I want to give you a quick explanation. Cisterns back in Jeremiah's time were very similar to wells in that they held water for a later use. It usually got its um, water from rain. But the difference was that it had a waterproof lining in it to prevent um, water from getting out and dirt from getting in. All right, so let's look at Jeremiah 2. The first four verses is God saying how he remembers his people. He remembers leading them out of Egypt, and they followed him. They loved God. But then they turned away. So now let's look at verse 5. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. He's saying, what happened? You followed me. You loved me. But then you turned away to worthless things. He goes on to say, be appalled at this. Be appalled that you have exchanged your God for worthless idols. Now look at verse 13. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. There are a lot of do's and don'ts in the Bible about sin, but the heart of sin is this. We are choosing to love something else more than God. We are choosing the broken cisterns that cannot even hold water to Jesus, the living water, who alone can satisfy. We are choosing the temporary highs that only bring emptiness and death to Jesus, who brings joy, peace, love, and fullness. So let's make this a little more practical. Let's look at a few sins that are part of our everyday. We usually see them everywhere if we're not doing them ourselves. And see how they can be us trusting in broken cisterns and how they stop us from loving God and loving people. Let's look at gossip and slander. 
this broken cistern says, oh, just a juicy morsel, tastes delicious, makes me feel good, it is satisfying. It also makes me feel pretty important because now I know this little piece of information about someone and I can now feel important about telling someone else. But the reality is that it is killing our love for the person we are speaking about. And it is potentially causing sin in the hearer of this gossip. In short, it is causing disunity in the body of Christ. What about laziness? The cistern says that a little bit of ease, a little bit of slumber, never hurt anyone. And isn't life supposed to be comfortable anyway? But the reality is that we are choosing to say, I do not want to become like Christ who came to serve and not to be served, but to give his life for others. What about disunity, unforgiveness, and bitterness? The cistern says, well, I feel good having this power over this person who hurt me, and they don't deserve my forgiveness anyway. They didn't even say sorry. But the reality is that causing or encouraging disunity in the body by withholding forgiveness downplays the price that Christ paid to break down the barriers between his people. We are delighting and rejoicing in the forgiveness that we have received, but withhold it from others. Recognizing our sin is an amazing grace from God, and as believers, we should mourn and be broken over our sins. But we should also know that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. What we should feel is repentance, hope, and gratitude, knowing that God is working in us to help us to hate these broken cisterns and to love him more. We are to repent, which means we are to turn away from our sins and follow him. And as God is working in each of us to change our thinking and to change our hearts, we work it out in obedience. So we put off and we put on. We put off gossip and slander and put on love, kindness, and encouragement. We put off laziness and put on diligence, hard work, and perseverance. We put off disunity, unforgiveness, and bitterness and put on being slow to take offense, forgiveness, and patience. There is amazing hope when we know God is working in us to kill even these subtle sins. All right, so we just talked about living. Let's move on to serving. So this is embarrassing, but when I, I became a Christian in college, and I remember saying this to a friend of mine, I said, I think of the only important life of a Christian is to be a full-time missionary and that any other life would be wasted. And I think I even said that I can't imagine living, like working long hours in a cubicle one day. You see, I was studying accounting, so I don't think I really thought this one through. You see, missions is just part of our calling. What he does say is that whatever we do, we do for him. What he says in Colossians 3 is, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. It is the Lord, sorry, from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. So don't wait until you become a missionary or a college graduate or a wife or a mother or retiree or get your dream job to start serving the Lord. Grow where you are planted. And I want to tell you about a couple I know and love who have done this so well in their lives and have been such a great example to me of what this looks like, even when it is not easy. So 
Well, <laughs> I was an accountant working in a cubicle for long hours. Before I was married, I lived with an older couple in Canada named Bill and Jesse Wright. In their younger years, they had been missionaries in Nigeria for about 20 years, and four out of five of their children had been born there. Their door was always open, people constantly coming in and out. And when I say they're, in their, um, when they're, they're older, I mean they're in their mid-90s. They could no longer serve with the same vigor and energy, but they still had the same love and passion for Christ, for people, the gospel that they always had. I even got to witness their great nephew, who was fresh out of prison, come and live with us for a few months and come to know Christ as Savior. No two pieces of furniture in their house matched, but they had chairs crammed into every part of their living room so they could have as many people over as possible for Bible studies. I would have breakfast with them every morning, and they would pray with me, and when I struggled with joy, they took the time without a computer to write down every verse they could find in the Bible about what God had to say about it so that I would know. But my favorite memories of them were when telemarketers would call. So you and I know how we are when telemarketers call. We either don't pick up or we quickly hang up when we realize who it is. But not Bill and Jesse. They loved these phone calls. They lived for these phone calls. The calls would come. The questions would start. Sir, have you considered consolidating your credit cards so that you could pay off your debts faster? And they'd say, dear friend, we have no credit cards, but a greater debt has been paid. You see, I deserve death for my sins, but Jesus died on the cross so that I could be forgiven, and that debt could be paid for, and he can do that for you too. Or they'd ask, do you need your gutters cleaned? And they'd respond, no, thank you, but we all need Jesus to clean our hearts, and he can do that for you if you trust him for salvation. They never missed a beat. They could have used every excuse not to be obedient. They could have said, we're too old, we're too tired, we've just served enough. But their love for people and for Jesus infused life into them. And in their weakness, Christ was strong. You see, it's not just the big, extravagant moments that are pleasing to the Lord. It's the day-to-day -day growing where we are planted. Things like cooking and cleaning, changing diapers, doing laundry, shoveling a neighbor's driveway, having people over that can't have you back because our desire is to be a blessing to people and we desire to honor God in what, where we are. These things in the world's eyes are seemingly small, but in God's eyes they are glorious. All right, so first we talked about living and then we covered serving. So now let's talk about growing in our passion for Christ. We'll go through three areas, reading uh, Bibles and memorization, prayer, and trials. But before we do, let's remember the gospel. Remember that we have to have the foundation established before we can grow onto it. Otherwise, it would just become something to check off your to-do list. We have been reconciled with God, and now we're growing more and more in love with Him. We need to remember to be rooted in Christ. All right, so let's talk about Bible reading and memorization. Bible reading is one of the most important things that we can do daily that can help us to grow in our devotion and passion for Christ. And I'm not speaking about books 
about God, I love those, or even devotionals, those can be great too. They're good, but they can never substitute our daily time in the Word. And I'm also not speaking about simply just randomly opening our Bibles, looking for a verse that could hopefully make sense of our lives. I, I do remember once doing that. No, the Bible should be read page to page, chapter to chapter, cover to cover, so that we can know God's purpose in it and we can know the context in what he's, where he's writing it. A love for people and a love for God disconnected from God's word will not last. You see, every day we are faced with many, many lies from Satan, from the world, and from ourselves. And the only way to counter those lies is to know God's word. Being in God's word fills our hearts and our minds with truth. But I know how hard it is. There are so many distractions in this world that can keep us from being in God's word. Our phones being one of the biggest culprits. But this is why being in God's word needs to be a discipline. And that simply means setting aside a time each day that as, as a priority that we are going to be reading God's word. This could be 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour. Just get in there. So the discipline of reading God's word will lead to desire, which will lead to delight. Discipline will lead to desire, which will lead to delight. And not just a delight for God's word, but a delight for our God. So initially I had a lot to say about Bible memorization because I think it is so important and I know how much I have changed when I started doing it. But Chuck Swindoll says it best. He says, I know of no other single practice in the Christian life more rewarding, practically speaking, than memorizing scripture. No other single exercise pays greater spiritual dividends. Your prayer life will be strengthened. Your witnessing will be sharper and much more effective. Your attitude and outlook will begin to change. Your mind will become alert and observant. Your confidence and assurance will be enhanced your faith will be solidified. I don't have a great memory. And you can ask my small group leaders who text me about once a week that I've forgotten something at their house. But I don't use a bad memory as an excuse not to memorize scripture. I actually use it as my motivation. There's nothing more frustrating than reading the Bible early in the morning and forgetting what you've read by lunchtime. But most people think that a good memory is key, but the key is repetition, repetition, repetition. And if I had more time, I'd explain my technique, but there are hundreds of techniques, and I just encourage you to just go home, Google techniques, but the key is really repetition, 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 and it does not take long. I really encourage you to get started. So let's talk about prayer. We're reading our Bibles is God speaking to us, Prayer is us speaking to God. And the chief end of prayer is intimacy with God. And we all nod our heads knowing how important this is, but if we're honest, do we really pray? Prayer is central to a life devoted and passionate for Christ. Just think about the gospel. Now that we have been reconciled with our Father, we can come to him we can approach his throne boldly. We can come to him knowing that he wants to hear from us. We are his children, and he calls the prayers of his children a sweet aroma. We also receive supernatural help when we pray, and we can't live lives worthy of the gospel without this supernatural help. 
We can't live this life in our own strength. Don't make it burdensome. Don't make it so that your surroundings have to be perfect in order for you to approach God or you have to be completely sinless. He knows you're not sinless, but he knows he wants to hear from you. And we go to him, we confess, and we share with him. All right, so we talked about God's word, and we talked about prayer. Now let's end this section on, gro- on growing by talking about trials. And I'll be honest with you, if I had written this a year ago, I would have just ended here with God's word and prayer, but God has used trials in a major way to grow my passion and devotion for him this year. A book I've been reading lately that I highly recommend, and I believe it'll be in the bookstore if anyone is interested, is Future Grace by John Piper. He said something that I'd never really thought about in my understanding of faith and obedience. He says, Impatience is a form of unbelief. Impatience is a form of unbelief. It's what we begin to feel when we start to doubt the wisdom of God's goodness and guidance. It springs up in our hearts when our plan is interrupted or shattered. It may be prompted by a long wait in the checkout line or a blow that knocks out half our dreams. The opposite of impatience is not a glib denial of loss. It's a deepening, ripening, peaceful willingness to wait for God in the unplanned place of obedience and the walk with God at the unplanned pace of obedience, to wait in his place and to go at his pace. When I was asked to give this talk last summer, I was genuinely excited not because I have any speaking ability, but because I really love talking about Jesus. But then I had a miscarriage in August, and then I had another one in October, and then I had a third one in January. (laughs) This has been probably one of the hardest years of my life. And I want to read what I wrote in my journal the day after my third loss. It was a period of really struggling with fear, confusion, and knowing God's love but I knew I needed to go back to God's truth to help guide me through it. So let me read what I wrote, just a part of it. I am at a loss for words. I try to stay still or else the sinking sand of despair will take me under. Then no, the more desperate I am to cry, why, Father, the quicker I'll go under. It's amazing how much you think you have the fire drill memorized, but when the handle is pulled to sound the alarm, you freeze and stumble over the steps you are to take. So here I am, overprepared for suffering, and cannot remember a single verse that makes sense of this pain. I feel like Moses in the wilderness begging God not to abandon his people. I feel ashamed because I appear unloved. But I know the truth, and the truth will set me free. A garden left unattended will not remain empty. Weeds will grow. It will be overrun with all kinds of thistles and thorns that steal water and choke the good flowers. I cannot leave my mind unattended. The truth of God's word weeds the lies and keeps the soil free. But it's a constant battle. So what is this truth? The truth is that God is near me, for he's near the brokenhearted. The truth is I am called to suffer, and all Christians are called to suffer. The truth is this pain and the path of obedience is working for me an eternal weight of glory. It is never wasted. 
The truth is that when God created the world, the death of the unborn was never part of his plan. Sin did that. But because I am his, he's working it for my good and his glory and to transform me into the image and likeness of his son. The truth is that God has provided a body of believers to walk alongside me in suffering. And if I walk alone, I am foolish. The body will be imperfect in this process, but if I seek it with a humble heart, great comfort can come from those who have suffered and have themselves been comforted. The truth is I may feel desperately alone, but that is only when I navel gaze and neglect to look up at those surrounding me. The truth is that weeping may stay for the night, but joy comes in the morning. The truth is that God may never answer my prayer for more children, but I really know he is enough. The truth is I feel too weak to carry this burden. But he who raised Christ from the dead lives in me and gives me strength. Strength to live and strength to follow him. And as I write this, my heart is lifted and I can see him more through this fog of despair. But I know tomorrow I'll have to do battle again with these thistles and thorns that so easily ensnare. So as I said these truths and others to myself daily, it really helped me do battle with the lies of Satan and my own flesh. And I did not do this in my own strength. In my own strength, as Leanne said, I wanted to escape. I wanted to stop going to church, to stop reading God's word, to stop calling people back, to stop praying and trusting God. Did I suffer well? Many times, no. But some amazing things happened in my heart that I can only attribute to him as I daily said, Father, I am weak, help me. He gave me joy and sorrow. He gave endurance to run the race set before me. He renewed my desire to love people and he once again brought me to a place where I could say, I count all things as lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. His ways are not my ways, they are far greater. But I can genuinely say that he is good and that he satisfies my soul. So we're reading our Bibles and memorizing it are the training grounds. Trials are the testing grounds. Or going back to my tennis analogies, reading our Bibles and memorizing are the day-to-day -day practice and training and trials whether you're stuck in traffic or you have a miscarriage, are the matches. I never would have shown up to a tennis match having never practiced. So I would never show up to a trial and expect to be victorious having never filled my mind with truth. I know there is a lot of meat here and I'm so grateful that you are all paying attention and looking like you're listening. <laughs> So I'm going to close off by summarizing what we have learned about living, serving, and growing. No matter if you are a seasoned Christian, 50 years, or you're a brand new believer, we all have the same foundation, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we are established on this salvation, on this foundation of Christ, we have the power both to love God and to love people. Remember to live your love in two directions, up and out. He is our treasure, and he alone satisfies. Don't wait to obey him. Grow where you are planted. 
He is giving you the strength for today to follow him. And sin no longer has power over us. Have your passion for him grow as you embrace and celebrate what he says in the word about himself. Hide his word in your heart. God cannot lie. Trust him. Pray. Live out what you are learning. Embrace your trials. He is using it for your good and his glory. Living in reality means that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Wow, did you catch the last line that she shared with us? Living in reality means apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Isn't that a powerful statement? I mean, really, honestly, think about it. If we really want to be fully devoted and passionate for Christ people, we need to realize that we can't do anything apart from Christ. We need to abide in Christ each and every day. I loved, I loved lists, and I love that Bronwyn gave us three things to put down on our lists. She encouraged us to live devoted, to serve God where we are, and to grow in our passion for Christ. One of my take-homes was actually in the last little bit of her talk. She gave the illustration that reading the Bible is like practicing tennis. Now, I don't know anything about tennis, but I do know that if you're going to learn how to do something, like create a podcast, you got to practice a lot. And she said it's learning strokes and the proper movements on the tennis court that is how we practice. But the trials of life are actually the matches where two players compete against each other. That really hit me today. I better make sure that I'm practicing how to live devoted and how to be fully devoted to Christ. I better make sure that I am reading my Bible on a consistent basis, that I'm memorizing scripture that I can pull out when I need to be encouraged and that I'm praying on a consistent daily basis for my friends and my family and the things that I've been thinking about and that I'm diligent to fight my sin so that when I have a trial come into my life, I am well practiced. I am well prepared. I am ready for that match. Hey, it's been great to hang out with you today. You might want to check out our episode called The Why and How of Scripture Memory. It's in our archives. I interviewed Bronwyn and our mutual good friend, Debbie Forney, and we talked about why and how to memorize scripture and why it's so important. That'd be a great follow-up episode to listen to, especially if you decide, hey, I'm going to binge on the Unshaken podcast today. And listen next week as we are going to talk about the topic of faithfulness. We're going to take a look at what the world says faithfulness is, what the Bible says faithfulness is, and how you and I as women can live in a faithful way before God. And remember that when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.